he can't let go. It's against his nature to let go. It's against his nature to give up. It's against his nature not to love because he is love. And um, that's what we remember and that's what we celebrate tonight. It's interesting saying we're celebrating Good Friday. Some people say we're remembering Good Friday or we're, um, I don't know. But we're celebrating because of Sunday. And as we said before, we know how the story ends. And Sunday means nothing without tonight or without his death because he had to die before he could come back to life and for us to have life and the overcoming power that we have as believers. Isn't that right? And that's why I wanted to be back for Good Friday because Easter weekend and Christmas weekend are some of the most exciting times of the year for me. And um, oh, thank you. Welcome home. For me, high five, nothing, leaving me hanging. All right, get back to your seat right now. That's it. Come on, I'll take you to your mum. Another Davey wants to be on stage. It's not enough that mum and dad are up there. Very good. Well, it's good to be back in the best country on earth. And uh, it's great to see the world, but it is also makes you very um, appreciative for what we have in Australia. For those of you that don't know, um, I've been away for 46 days, six, just over six weeks. We've been on holidays, long service leave, and we got back in at lunchtime today and um, got home at 4.30. And I'm here tonight, and that coffee I had is the best coffee I've had in 46 days because... <laughs> I did not find one decent coffee in America, Canada or Fiji. So um, thank you to the hospitality team for all that you do and especially for that latte that had my name on it tonight. This message is brought to you by them. <laughs> it's not too bad. It's only 8.34pm in Fiji time, which is where I flew in from this morning. So um, I don't have any jet lag or anything like that. But I want to um, I want to just share with you some thoughts tonight on Good Friday. Um, Jesus said these words, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said this: "Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest." And so my prayer tonight is that you would come to Him, that you would come into His presence, that you would come to know Him. If you're here tonight and you don't know who He is, that you would come to know Him as your Lord and your Savior. Is this still working? just changed all of a sudden but that's good see Jesus knows what it is to carry heavy burdens I don't know where you're at right now but Jesus knows what it is to carry a weight to carry a burden and tonight we we remember and we celebrate what he did for us 2,000 years ago on the cross and I want to read to you tonight from Luke chapter 23 just a, a little um, bit of the the Easter story a little passage from it I'm going to be reading from the message Bible it won't come up on the screen so you're going to actually have to pay attention to the t to the preacher to um tonight i'm reading from the message luke 23 from about verse 32 the the story of of easter so it says there's two others both criminals were taken along with him for execution when they got to the place called skull hill that's a great spot for a, a crucifixion that's skull hill yeah they crucified him along with the criminals one on his right and the other on his left and jesus prayed this he said father forgive them because they don't know what they are doing Dividing up his clothes, they threw dice for them. The people stood there staring at Jesus, and the ringleaders made faces ta taunting him. He saved others. Let's see if he can save himself. The Messiah of God, ha, the chosen one, ha, 
The soldiers also came up and poked fun at him, making a game of it. They toasted him with sour wine. So you're the king of the Jews, then save yourself. Printed over him was a sign. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging alongside cursed him, said, Some Messiah you are, save yourself and save us. But the other one made him shut up. I like how the message puts it. Made him shut up. But you have no fear. Of, have you no fear of God? You're getting the same as him. We deserve this, but not him. He did nothing to deserve this. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. He said, Jesus said, don't worry, I will. Today you will join me in paradise. Other translations say, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. A few moments later, Jesus takes his last breath and dies there on the cross on that day, on that night that we remember. Tonight, I want to look at the Easter story and I want to look at it from the perspective of the two men either side of Jesus on the cross. From the two criminals, one on his left, one on his right. Both of them had the closest account of Jesus dying on the cross. I want to look at their story tonight and hopefully there's something for us to learn from it tonight. As these two criminals hung on the cross next to Jesus in the same position, they are sentenced to die for their crimes and they're hanging next to Jesus. But they both choose a very different response. See, they both had the same view. They both had the same position, one on the left, one on the right. But their choice of how they responded to seeing Jesus die on the cross was very different. One of them joins in with the crowd and curses Jesus, while the other chooses not to. In other translations, if you read the story, it suggests that both of them early on in the piece were cursing Jesus and were mocking Jesus and were, were t taunting him like the soldiers were and like the religious leaders were. But one of them has a change of heart. And he, the gospel suggests that this guy is now saying to the other guy, hey, don't you know who this is? He's saying, we deserve this. We're criminals. We deserve to be here. But this guy, he's done nothing wrong. He turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you enter your kingdom. His words are full of faith to turn to Jesus on that night. Imagine being in his position. It's pretty hard for us to imagine it really, but just try. You're about to die. You're in some pain. See, if you're in a crucifixion, your hands are nailed. Your feet are nailed. You're hanging on a cross. It's not a position of strength. It's not a position of, of thinking straight. Who here handles pain well? Anyone? Anyone like pain? No. Andy, no. Don't put your hand up for that one. See, I, I've been present at the birth of all three of my children. I'm going to talk to you about pain for a minute. My hand has never been so sore from being squeezed. I, I think it's still broken. The pain I went through to witness three children come into the earth. Some of you mums want to crucify me right now. Who thinks clearly when they are in pain? This guy's hanging on a cross. He's about to die. He's in pain. He's up there. All those around him are ridiculing, ridiculing Jesus, but not him. He chooses not to follow the crowd. He sees something in Jesus that gives him hope to believe. He sees something in a, in a man dying on a cross that gives him hope. What does he see? Because he's not looking at Jesus in a place of strength. He's not looking at Jesus riding into the city on a donkey being celebrated. He's not looking at Jesus doing a mighty miracle. He's not looking at Jesus raising someone from the dead. 
He's looking at a Jesus who's hanging on a cross, who looks like this Jesus is being defeated. This Jesus that was meant to come and bring hope and, and rescue the Jewish people, he's hanging there on a cross. Spurgeon would suggest that this was the moment that Jesus appeared to be at his weakest in all of his life. Notice I said appeared to be at his weakest. But he was there by his choice, by his free will. Because he, wanted to, he, he knew that he had to be there to die for our sins. But this criminal sees Jesus naked, beaten, embarrassed, bruised, ridiculed and hanging on a cross. But still he looks at him and thinks, this guy can help me. This guy has something for me. He sees in Jesus a saviour, even though the picture that you see of Jesus is one that looks like defeat and looks like despair. He sees something in Jesus Christ that he knows there's something for him. He looks at the dying man. This criminal, I believe, has enormous faith to believe that a dying man can save him. He has enormous faith to believe that this man, even though he's there on the cross next to him, can still offer him something. It would be easy to look at Jesus and think, oh, well, we're all done here. It's over. The story's finished. But he doesn't. He has something called faith. And the Bible says this about faith in Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 6. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hoped for will actually happen. It gives us an assurance about things that we cannot see. See, when you looked at Jesus that night, you cannot see a saviour. You cannot see a king. You cannot see victory. You can see a man dying on a cross. But faith saw something more than that. Faith saw something more that believed that what was there right now was not how it was going to be forever. In verse 6 of Hebrews, it says, It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, this criminal dying on the cross had an enormous faith, I believe, because he believed that a dying saviour could not only rise again, but could save him. He comes to Jesus. He has the confidence or the faith to request that Jesus could give him something. With all sincerity, he says, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And we, we know how Jesus replies, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. The criminal received the ultimate reward. The ultimate reward was given to him by his faith. It says, today you will be with me in paradise. Just close your eyes for a minute. I want you to picture what you think paradise might look like. For someone who's just flown in from Fiji, it's not very hard for me to imagine it right now just to um, rub it in a little bit more. What is this picture of paradise that Jesus talked about? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. You can open your eyes. Paradise, it sounds good, doesn't it? Coldplay sing about it. All of us imagine going to a holiday where there's, we can describe it as paradise. A definition of paradise says this, it's a Persian word for garden, which came to mean the destination of the righteous after their death. It alludes to the Garden of Eden, where God placed humanity. In that garden, the when, where God created in the Garden of Eden, says that God and man were in daily relationship. And we know that if you know the story that man was kicked out of the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. But now because of what Jesus is doing in the cross, there is a new paradise, a new garden of Eden, a new place where God and man or God and humanity 
can be in daily relationship, can be in daily communion. All that was lost in the first garden is now being restored on the cross and more. It's a heavenly paradise instead of an earthly one. And Jesus is saying to this guy on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, the word paradise is referred to over and over again in the New Testament. You can read about it in, in 2 Corinthians and Revelations too. There's been a lot written about it. What was Jesus actually referring to? Is he talking about heaven or is he talking about something else that happens after you die? I would believe that in this context, the word paradise is referring to as heaven. We're not going to get into a debate about it tonight. But I love these two quotes about the word paradise. First one is this. All that the dying believer need know is that he goes to be with Christ. Really, it doesn't really matter where we're going as long as I'm going with Christ. You know, on our, on our holiday, on our trip, we, yesterday or the day before, Loz and I were talking about being home and how sometimes we think home is a location, a, a house, a building, a city. But really, home is about who you are with, is it not? And so it doesn't really matter where you are on the earth. Really, we've been home the whole time because we've been with family and the people that you hold close. Charles Spurgeon said this, If the Lord said, today you'll be with me, we should not need him to add another word. For where he is, is heaven to us. So when he says, today you'll be with me in paradise, the where doesn't matter. It's the who you're with that makes it a paradise. And so the promise of paradise is the promise of eternity with Jesus Christ. The promise of spending an eternity with him, just like the original garden was created for man and God to be together. The promise of heaven and the promise of paradise is that same concept. Of not so matter where you are, but who you are with. And this promise that by choosing God, by having faith in Jesus Christ, you can have an eternity spent with him. Don't need to get caught up about where will heaven actually be? What will the postcode of heaven be? Will I be able to find it on Google Earth? No, it's about who you are with and being in, you, in communion and being close to God. For the criminal on the cross, if someone offers him, today you'll be with me on paradise, you'll take that, dying on a cross, and Jesus offers you the hope of salvation, the hope of a paradise. He's got nothing else to lose. He's got nothing else to, to really go for. And he takes it. He receives salvation. He receives the gift of eternal life because of his faith. Because of his belief that this Jesus can offer him something even though he appears to be so defeated and so down. A few more, little bit of Charles Spurgeon. If you haven't picked up, I like Charles Spurgeon. A little bit of a theme coming through. He says this, If a man dies five minutes after his first act of faith, he is as safe as if he had served the Lord for 50 years. If your faith is true, if you die one moment after you have believed in Christ, you will be admitted into paradise. Even if you shall have enjoyed no time in which to produce good works and other evidences of grace. Now that's great for the sinner on the cross. Sometimes we as Christians can get a little bit upset about that. 
But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter if you've served God all of your life or if you choose him on your dying bed, you still get that paradise, that eternity with him. Now that one more Charles Spurgeon, our Saviour took this dying thief into the paradise of infinite delight. And this is where he will take all of us sinners who believe in him. If we are trusting him, we shall ultimately be with him in paradise. He came into this amazing grace, this relationship by believing in Jesus Christ, by having a faith in him. This conversation that took place on the cross between the criminal that chose Jesus and Jesus Christ to me is about two things. It's about the faith of a criminal and it's about the grace of a saviour. And those two things interacting being a wonderful story, a wonderful example for you and I. Because my story is not much different to that. No, I'm not a criminal. No, I've never been hung on a cross. But I am a sinner. I am someone who has fallen short of the glory of God and the standard that Christ set for us. But I am also someone that's called out to God and said, God, I want, I want to follow you. I believe in you. I know who you are. I want to be in relationship with you. And I can have that same promise that was given to that sinner on that cross. That on my dying day, I know that I go to be with him. That I can be in communion with him, in relationship with him now, here on earth. Your story, my story are not much different. Because all of us are, are at fault at some time in our life. And it's only by faith in Jesus Christ that we can have that promise of paradise. Uh, uh, it's a faith that believes there's something more than what we have in life right now. It's a faith and a hope that what the Jesus said in the Bible is true. It's a faith and a hope that one day Jesus will return. It's a faith and a hope that as followers of Jesus Christ, we can have the hope of heaven and the hope of eternity. I want the creative team to come back up tonight, if they can. I just want to close tonight by asking the question, do you know where you will spend your eternity? You might not be it might not be your dying day. I pray that it's not. But if it was your dying day, would you be able to have a confidence and a hope that you could spend eternity with him? That you would be able to know who he is? I want to give you that opportunity if you don't know who Jesus is and you can't answer that question. The Apostle Paul said this about, he said a lot about heaven, but he said it cannot be expressed in words. Paradise, eternally with Jesus, because it's beyond our wildest imagination, the goodness of God, His presence, His goodness. Faith in Jesus Christ doesn't just give you that hope for eternity, but it also gives you hope for today. It gives you peace for the now, for the storms of life, for the challenges of life, for whatever season you're in. See, I believe that the moment that criminal called out to Jesus, he received peace in his heart. And he might not have had long to live, but he had a peace come into his heart. And we can have that peace with us when we invite Jesus into our heart.
peace in the middle of whatever life might be like. No matter what the burden is, no matter what the situation. Our eternal life and our peace and our hope is found in Jesus Christ. Tonight I want us to close our eyes. just want to give you that opportunity. I don't know who you are, where you're at, how you ended up here in church on Good Friday. But if you're here tonight and you don't know who Jesus is, you don't know what it is to have a relationship with Him, where you could know that when this time on earth finishes, you will go to spend eternity in heaven with Him. You could have those words from Jesus say, you'll be with me in paradise. The Bible says that we receive it by believing in Him. So it says we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He is who He says in this book, that we sing about, that we remember at Easter, that He died and He rose again. If you're here tonight and you would like to get to know who Jesus is, the difference He can make in your life now, but also the hope He can give you for all eternity, then I want you to just simply raise your hand so that I could see it. Because I'd love to pray with you and I'd love to talk with you and, and show you how your life could be so different by inviting Jesus into your situation, into your life. So if there's anyone in this room, I'll give you an opportunity right now just to raise your hand. Say, yeah, that's me. I want to get to know who Jesus is. Maybe you're here and you've once made a decision to invite Jesus into your heart. But right now you're not living a life that's following him. You're not living a life that is honouring Him. Tonight would be a great night to recommit your life. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to follow you. I give you my life afresh tonight. I give you that opportunity to raise your hand as well if that's you. Just like the, the guy on the cross showed us, it's never too late. It's never too early and it's never too late. Every day is a great day to choose Jesus and invite him into your life. I pray that if you're here and you don't know who he is, that this Easter you would call out to him. You would seek, you would search, you would go looking to discover who he is and the difference he can make in your life. Just read just one more thing for us. Just keep your eyes closed because I want to pray for everyone. If a dying saviour saved the thief, he can do even more now that he lives and reigns. All power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. Can anything at this present time surpass the power of his grace? If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you believe in him, that power is within you. We believe in a risen saviour. Yes, he died, but he rose again. And my prayer tonight is that you would go out of here tonight knowing that he is with you. And greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. So let's pray as a church. God, we thank you. We thank you again for what you did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. We thank you that you died, that you took away our sin, you took away the punishment and the consequence of the things we did wrong. God, we thank you that you rose again. You defeated the power of death and you defeated the power of sin. And Jesus, we thank you that you are with us. 
that no matter where we go on this earth, your presence is near and you are with us, leading us, guiding us. God, I pray tonight for your peace, for those that need your peace. For those that need hope, I pray hope and speak hope into their life. For comfort, for wisdom, for guidance. God, whatever it is that they need from you tonight, your sons and your daughters, I pray that they would receive it from you. Not my words, Lord God, but your words, your truth, your understanding. God, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing and all that you continue to do. This Easter, may we never lose sight of what you've done for us and who you are in our lives. We give you all the glory, God. We praise your name. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.